killed my baby by Harry Jaff. But he was the father, and everyone told her it was Sid's. Missy Anastasi met Garrett Wilson at a fitness centre in Rockville, Maryland. Garrett, 28, a trainer there, was in great physical shape. He was also a natural charmer. He was divorced, he told Missy. Tragically, the only child of that marriage died of sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS. Missy immediately felt compassion for Garrett. An interpreter for the deaf, Missy, 31, worked in the area schools, but her career was not her main priority. I wanted to get married and have a family. Soon her dream would come true. She and Garrett were married on March 1, 1986, 13 months after they first met. In July, Missy confirmed she was pregnant. There had only been one dark note in their relationship. Shortly before the wedding, Garrett mentioned that he'd once been jailed for misusing money at the bank where he worked. He blamed his first wife, saying she'd gone crazy after their baby died and plunged them into debt. Actually, Garrett had been convicted of embezzling funds from the bank. Although he didn't serve time for that charge, he was sent to prison on a bank robbery conviction. Missy wouldn't learn this until much later. Garrett Michael Wilson was born on March 12, 1987. By the time he was five months old, the thriving boy could walk in a walker, recognise his grandparents and kiss his delighted mother. Garrett often played the role of good father, but Missy noticed that he rarely held or cuddled his son. When he did, he turned the boy's face away. You seem withdrawn from the baby lately, Missy said one day. I don't want to get too close to him, Garrett said, until I'm sure he's around for a while. Chills ran up Missy's neck. She also thought it strange when Garrett told her he'd bought life insurance on the infant. Early on Saturday, August 22, 1987, Missy awoke to the sound of crying through the baby monitor. I'll feed him, her husband volunteered. You have to go back to work on Monday. I'd better get used to it. Over the monitor, Missy could hear Garrett get the bottle and sit in the rocking chair. Minutes later, she heard patting on the sheet and assumed he was burping the baby. As her two cats jumped onto her bed, Missy heard a long exhale. She went downstairs to feed the cats as usual. Then she checked on Garrett Michael. He was limp. She picked him up and rushed into the master bedroom. Garrett emerged from the bathroom, his face ashen. What did you do to him? she shouted. Garrett said nothing. Missy called an ambulance. She tried breathing life back into her baby. Garrett stood by, not saying a word. Minutes later, the emergency medical team arrived and rushed the baby to Shady Grove Adventist Hospital. Missy and Garrett ran out to their car. Instead of getting behind the wheel, Garrett unstrapped his son's car seat and put it in their other car. What are you doing? Missy yelled. Let's go! During the 15-minute ride, Garrett was silent, but Missy's thoughts raced. Why did Garrett choose to feed the baby this one time? Why did he have insurance on an infant? Why did he take out the car seat? Because, she thought, he knew Garrett Michael would not be coming home. At the hospital, Missy tried to offer clues that her husband might have smothered their baby. But Garrett was standing there, and no one picked up on her hints. Then a doctor appeared and said that nothing else could be done. Their child was dead. The forensic pathologist concluded that Garrett Michael's demise was an attended death. Because he'd died in the care of doctors, 
there'd be no police investigation. Missy was taken to her parents' house where she collapsed. Garrett killed the baby for insurance money, she cried. Her family tried to comfort her. Garrett went to another part of the house. The autopsy determined that Garrett Michael Wilson had died of SIDS. Wanting to understand what had killed her baby, Missy read and corresponded with SIDS researchers. She attended seminars and support groups. She learnt that spouses tended to blame each other and wanted to believe that her husband was not, could not be, at fault. But the doubts always lingered. They were reinforced later that autumn when Garrett dropped $21,000 in cash on their bed, part of an insurance payout. He had yet to shed a tear. The marriage began to unravel. Garrett lost his job and the couple filed for bankruptcy. There were signs that he was seeing other women. The couple separated and Missy moved in with her mother. She discovered later that Garrett, who was living in Arlington, Texas, had filed for divorce. She never saw the papers. Garrett had remarried, but what stunned her most was that he had a new child. Blind love and foolish hope turned to rage and resolve. She now feared he would try another insurance scam, that he might kill again. There are some who would say that Missy was a woman scorned, bent on revenge. In actuality, she was a tormented mother, determined to find the truth. Only now her suspicions were seven years old. In May 1994, Missy hired Larry Robinson, a former police detective who specialised in insurance fraud cases. We have to track down Wilson's first wife, he said, to see if this was a pattern. Missy knew only her first name, Debbie. Plugging Debbie and Garrett Eldred Wilson into public records databases, Robinson found their marriage licence, social security numbers and divorce decree. Robinson called Debbie Oliver Wilson. I'm a private investigator looking for information about Garrett Wilson, he said. I'm working for his second wife, Missy Anastasi. He killed that woman's baby too, Oliver said. Didn't he? Debbie Oliver was just 12 years old when she met Garrett Wilson in church. Garrett, 19, was the youth choir director. By the time she was 15, Debbie had already had four abortions at Garrett's urging. When she became pregnant again, a doctor refused to perform an abortion. Debbie was too far along. The couple married in October 1980. Brandy Jean was born shortly after. One night when the infant was two months old, Debbie went to bed not feeling well. Garrett gave Debbie some vitamins and she slept soundly until the next morning. By then, police had sealed off Brandy Jean's room. The baby's death was ruled SIDS. Oliver wept as Robinson told her of Missy Anastasi's suspicions, but she made it clear that she wanted no part of the man or the case. When he began his investigation, Robinson had asked Missy, do you have any receipts or documents from that time? Missy recalled that Garrett had kept two footlockers in a storage unit. Wilson was a pack rat. He kept insurance policy receipts, copies of letters attempting to collect on them, and the cancelled checks for new cars he had bought with the money. Robinson learned that Garrett had taken out 75000 in life insurance policies on Brandy Jean. After her death, he cashed them in and bought a fancy car. In late 1994, Detective Meredith Dominic and her partner, Detective Pete Picariello, pored over the Wilson documents. After that, they interviewed Debbie Oliver. As Oliver told them her story, two things struck Dominic. The deaths of the infants seemed remarkably similar. 
and Garrett had asked Debbie if she would be okay if anything happened to the baby. What kind of man asks that? Dominic asked Picariello. Looking at the case through a lawyer's eyes, prosecutor David Boynton knew he needed more evidence. In May 1995, Dominic and Picariello knocked on the door of Garrett Wilson's house in Arlington, Texas, where he lived with his new wife, Victoria, and their 10-month-old daughter, Marissa. Garrett was shocked but polite. Calling Missy's charges ludicrous, he explained, she could never handle the divorce. It's all about revenge. Why take out life insurance on an infant, Dominic asked. His father had taken out insurance on him from birth, he said. That's why he took out a nearly 240000 policy on Garrett Michael. Dominic's stomach lurched. She had known only of a $108,000 policy on the boy. Wilson's policies on both infants now added up to $420,000, $90,000 for Brandy Jean and $330,000 for Garrett Michael. Finally, there was a major break in the case. By 1996, Missy Anastasi was extremely frustrated. Police and prosecutors were telling her little about the investigation. Dominic was now handling the case alone and she was busy following up on other cases that had gone to trial. She knew that Missy was discouraged. Missy, she told her one day, we're still working on this case. We've gained valuable information. I believe that Garrett Wilson is responsible for the deaths of both babies, but I'm not sure this case will ever go to trial. Missy listened and said, I'm never going to give up. Around that time, Dominic put pictures of Brandy Jean and Garrett Michael in her office. She wasn't going to give up either. On July 15, 1997, Missy Anastasi walked into Boynton's office. Again, she told her story. He was impressed by her recall of dates and details, but was puzzled by one thing. Why did you feed the cats first? Why didn't you go directly to the baby's room, he asked her. Because, Missy explained, she had no reason to mistrust the father of her child. And then she began to cry. Why do I still have to persuade people, she wondered aloud. Boynton came away from the meeting focused on two crucial goals. He had to get the cause of death changed from SIDS to homicide, and he had to persuade Debbie Oliver to cooperate in order to prove a pattern. Boynton had already begun to seek a re-evaluation of Garrett Michael's official cause of death. Chief Forensic Pathologist John Smialek had sat on a 1989 National Institutes of Health panel that determined SIDS could be listed as cause of death only after a thorough death scene investigation. Based on new information provided by Boynton, Smialek agreed to reopen the case. Reviewing the autopsy, he noted that while Garrett Michael was healthy, at the time of death he had cerebral edema, swelling of the brain. Such swelling is not a feature of SIDS. On November 13, David Boynton received Smialek's new ruling. Garrett Michael Wilson died of asphyxia due to airway obstruction, probably smothering. It is my opinion that the manner of death for Garrett Michael Wilson is homicide. Convinced that the state now had a viable case, acting prosecutor Bob Dean gave Boynton the green light to prepare the case for prosecution. To strengthen his case, Boynton needed an official statement from Debbie Oliver. After initially refusing... She relented and agreed to meet with him and Dominic on February 25, 1998. They told Oliver that Wilson had taken out life insurance on their baby girl. She cried. Reluctantly, she began to divulge details of their relationship. With the cause of death now a homicide 
and Debbie Oliver's signed statement in hand, Boynton aimed for an indictment and a warrant for Garrett Wilson's arrest. Meredith Dominic phoned a detective in Arlington, Texas, who had been keeping tabs on Wilson. She asked him to drive by Wilson's house. He called back. It was empty, with a for rent sign in front. Dominic spent the next three days on the phone. Wilson's mail was being forwarded to bogus addresses in Texas, Oklahoma and Maryland. Then, using information from a credit report, Dominic learnt that Wilson had just traded in his Ford utility at a dealership in Texas. He told the salesman he needed a four-wheel drive because he was moving to the mountains of western Maryland. The salesman also mentioned that Wilson had used his father-in-law as a credit reference, Irvin Wampler of Frostburg, Maryland. Dawn crept cool and clear over the gently rolling farmland around Frostburg the day authorities came for Garrett Eldred Wilson. It was May 13, 1998. A caravan of Maryland lawmen drove up the long gravel road to the Wampler house. When Garrett stepped onto the veranda, the officers approached. Are you Garrett Eldred Wilson? a deputy sheriff asked. Wilson nodded. You're under arrest, the deputy said to him. Why? Homicide of your child. Four hours later, Missy Anastasi arrived at the prosecutor's office in Rockville, Maryland. She braced herself for more empty promises. Then, acting prosecutor Bob Dean said, Garrett Wilson was arrested this morning. Crying in relief, Missy said, We finally did it. For 11 years, she had struggled with the conflict between the need to believe in her husband and the need to know what had happened to her child. The answers were not so much part of a police investigation as an investigation of the human heart. In her soul, Missy Anastasi felt she had confronted pure evil in Garrett Wilson. On July 29, 1999, the jury took just two hours to find Garrett Eldred Wilson guilty of the first-degree murder of his son, Garrett Michael. His sentence? Life in prison without parole. Following his conviction, Garrett Wilson would stand trial for the murder of his daughter, Brandy Jean. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia 